How do you mean that? Well, I mean that there are the colors and the beauties, the designs, the beautiful way things appear. People themselves, dull people, but I thought dull, appear fascinating, interesting, mysterious, wonderful. But that's only the beginning. Welcome to Strange People, Weird Worlds. Let's get this show started. I do have some good news, though, for this little mini-sode. Okay. It's not dark or morbid. Okay, so what I'm going to say about mine, nobody dies. Okay, there we go. This <laughs> is the first week, I think, in how long where nobody is nobody dies. No death in mine. I mean, depending on what you want to take as the severity of the situation of mine, it can be comical... Or maybe, like, uh, unnerving at best. At worst, I should say. Ooh. So, I, I, think I, I think I did okay. We got a mystery. Been a, long, a little mystery? Yeah, been a long time since I did a little, you know, a little neighborhood mystery. You know how I like those. Okay, alright. So, it'll be, that'll be an interesting uh, conjunction with mine. Mine's, uh, mine's on drugs. So. Drugs. <laughs> I like those, too. I like those, too. <laughs> Oh boy! Anyhow, well, Anyhow's. welcome everybody. Welcome. I, to, I I'm distracted by the cup that's as big as Anya's <laughs> head right now. It's that's what. It, lift lift it lift your cup. So uh, it's like yeah, there it's covering our whole face now. <laughs> it's it's like it, the way you're holding it. It's like exactly half the shape of your face. Yeah. <laughs> You look like, um, you know when people make those eggs and they put them in just the little white thing that holds up oh the egg? Oh my god, and yeah. You, <laughs> you look like that. Uh, like somebody's going to eat your brains with a little spoon. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Took, there's the morbid aspect. There's the morbid. All right. Um, I'm going to cut this out. And I'm going to welcome everybody to Strange People. Weird worlds. We're back to just the weird world. Weird this, world. Yeah, no, no gore fest this week. Um, taking it no. easy on you. Taking it easy on you. Uh, speaking of easy listening. But <laughs> but. Uh, like I said, speaking of the easy listening, if you didn't check out Revisited uh, on Spotify yet, um, I did get to give it a listen now, and that is re colon visited. Because there is like a different revisited podcast that sucks ass. You don't even want to bother with that one. Um, yeah, it's a good time. My buddy Davey and Jillian. It was a good, funny show. Um, I hadn't seen the movie they were talking about, but it didn't really seem to matter. Um, it was still a good time listening to them, and uh, yeah, lots of good fun. So make sure you check out Re Colon Visited. Uh, good podcast. I'll have to put that on my uh, my listen list for the day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got a new one coming out next week, and uh, we're in talks of maybe some some cross showing, oh. some some inter inter show talkings type deal. Inter show talkings. Inter show talkings. Some some guest celebrity appearances and whatnots. That would be exciting. Yeah, yeah. Anyhow, uh, any new news for you? 
Um, oh, actually, yes. So our dear listeners, if you guys all remember how on the last episode I was talking about that huge final project that I had that like my professor was like, oh, good job. And I did it in like one day. Guess who got asked to be used as an example for future classes? Oh, this procrastinator shit. right here. Killing it. Killing it. <laughs> I, uh, I woke up to see that email today and I just about pat myself on the back and I went into the kitchen. I made myself an extra strong cup of coffee for that. <laughs> Man. I mean, I, I know what you, the listeners, are thinking. I think I'm thinking the same thing. Um, sounds like Anya's just going to write the, the bulk of the episodes from now on. And, uh, <laughs> I'll just sit here and run flat my jaw and put in my two cents, and we'll get her A++ writing all the time. What do you think, Anya? You know, I uh, as much as I would truly be honored for that position, <laughs> oh. I, don't, I don't think the synergy would be there if it was just all me mm. writing these episodes, because we would go down a weird rabbit hole, folks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would take us on some weird journeys, and so we need that balance because, yeah. as we've learned, our minds are very similar, but they're also very different in like what attracts us in stories. True, we we'd be doing fairies and weird medical procedures all the time. Yeah, I, it was actually funny we we're talking about this. I was kind of scrolling through um, the show's page on Apple Podcasts just to like, kind of like read the descriptions because I've never actually read all the descriptions. By the way, uh, Greg. A plus on those. Thank, thank you. I tried. <laughs> I'm actually like, I was chuckling to myself last night <laughs> reading some. Thank you. Thank yeah. You. But it was kind of cool because I was looking at the episodes and going back and forth between us. And I was like, we do have like a very interesting selection. Yeah. Not too. And um, speaking of the Patreon, like I said last week, I will also be making available all of our old episodes on the Patreon too. <gasps> you hear that, folks? Yeah. Uh, all the Onulus episodes, but they're 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 still pretty good. Not as good. They, yeah, they're, they're good. They're, they're, you just guys don't have me in your ear, but you good. got Josh and Steve. They're good. There's some rough ones in there. I, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> there's some rough ones in there. But there's a I, you know there's a reason some of them aren't on there right now. You know. <laughs> I was reading one of the descriptions. I think it was like two episodes before I jumped on. And I was just, like, kind of reading him and seeing how the show shifted. I was like, it's very interesting seeing how we've, like, kind of spiraled into this, what we have now, creation. Yeah, it's it's a different show than when I started, but um, I like it. I dig it. I think we're good. And, you know, I always feel better, too, when I'm listening to other podcasts, like successful ones, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, like, not ours. Um the the McElroy brothers they're they're some of my favorite podcasters they do the Ad- adventure zone and my brother my brother and me but it was nice to hear like hear them say like yeah don't even bother listening to our first 100 episodes or something like that you know it's like you know it takes everybody a little while getting their stride yeah you know? and i think it's one of those things where like sometimes you it, we live in that age where you see some people and they'll be doing the same thing and they like get this weird kick of luck and they get like they shoot off after like two or three episodes and then you have other ones who have been taking the time to build it up and then after a certain point it's just like wow look at this mecca hold of beautifulness yeah yeah so that's we're we're on a fine simmer just nice slow cooking you know like every great movie you know great movies are not 30 okay short films yes but like really good films they take they take a long time to make yeah 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 
I just hope we're not like uh, end up like like the Ramones or something, to where like you're pushing your whole <laughs> active career to make it and you don't, but then you're like super celebrated after the fact. <laughs> you know, like like that's cool, but like you know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to that. It'd be kind of cool, but it's, also it's still be cool. I'd like some recognition now too. Yeah, I don't want to have to wait till I die. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. In the afterlife, watching it like no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of and, the afterlife, no, just kidding. Oh wait, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I think it's my turn to go first this week. It is passing the torch I'm to you. Trying to keep it. So our mini episode last week was like fifteen minutes shorter than a real episode, but. I know, I noticed that. Yeah, but you know, life happens. I'm, yeah, I'm sure nobody's complaining. We have a good time. And if you're complaining, why are you listening? That means you don't like me, and uh, then I don't like you either, so bye. Or, Greg, maybe they just like to complain and they do like to listen to us. That's fair. That's also fair. I I, I could feel that. Then that makes you kind of my soul brother or sister, and I, I love you See? then. But See, I was complaining you about you, and you get it. You get it then. So, <laughs> anyhow, today... We are talking about the Mad Gasser of Mattoon. Mad Gasser. <laughs> yeah. Also known as the anesthetic prowler. Or anesthetic, like anesthetic, like anesthesia, I think. Or the phantom anesthetic, or simply Mad Gasser. Uh they were names given to the person or people believed to be responsible for a series of apparent gas attacks that occurred in Mattoon, Illinois, during the mid-1940s. More than two dozen separate cases of gassings were reported to police over a span of two weeks. In addition to many more reported sightings of the suspected assailant, the gassers' supposed victims reported smelling strange odors in their homes, which were soon followed by symptoms such as paralysis of the legs, coughing, nausea, and vomiting. Ooh. But no death. Okay, that's it. Okay. That's as bad as this gets right there. Just a little temporary paralysis. Just, I, I had like a mini stank face going. I was in a full log. My jaw hasn't just, dropped, just so we're mini, really yeah, clear. Mini, did you... Uh, did you see Erica's comment on our last episode? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was funny. Uh, that made me chuckle. Yeah. I was like, that's how you know you got a good episode. Right? Yeah. That, was a, that was a good listener warning there. Thank you, Erica. <laughs> we appreciate you. Yeah. So police remained skeptical of the accounts throughout the entire incident. No physical evidence was ever found, and many reported gassings had simple explanations, such as spilled nail polish or odors remaining from animals or local factories. Um, victims made quick recoveries from their symptoms and suffered no long-term effects. <laughs> Nevertheless, local newspapers ran alarmist articles about the reported attacks and treated accounts as fact. The attacks are widely considered to be simply a case of mass hysteria. However... Others maintain that the mad gasser actually existed or perceived attacks have another explanation such as industrial pollution. Appearance. Uh, just a, another reminder 
for these mini episodes, I do read just straight off Wikipedia. So um, if you go look at Wikipedia, don't think you caught me or anything. <laughs> that's uh, that's what I do for the mini episodes because I'm lazy. Lazy. And reconstructing a whole house right now. I mean, technically, it's not lazy because you're still doing the work to find a good story. I, I did. <laughs> I still put in hour of time finding this story last night. Uh, Which no. is better than none. Right? Better than none. Better than <laughs> none. I definitely didn't lay down in bed and go, oh, shit. Anyhow. Anyhow. Most contemporary descriptions of the Mad Gasser are based on the testimony of Mr. and Mrs. Burt Kearney of 1408 Marshall Avenue. There's something Bert you don't Kearney. hear anymore. The whole couple just being called by the man's name. Yeah. That, that, should, was... that don't fly in 2020. <laughs> no, that that shot me back. Shot yeah. me back some time. Yeah, if I ever get married, I'm going to be Mr. Miranda Hofer. Yeah, you know, I I have an interesting view on the whole last name thing. I think I would keep my last name. I um, I don't care. That's even if I get married. Yeah, I don't, I don't care either way. I like the idea of having the same last name just for, like, you know, if issues ever came up in public to where I have to be like, that's my wife, you know, like... Yeah. We have the same last name. Um, but that that's really the only benefit I see to it. Other than that, I don't care. Like, I don't care if somebody takes my last name. I don't care if I take somebody else's last name, really. Um, you know, as long as I'm with the person I love. Oh, see, I think for mine is there's no more boys in my family yeah. except two. And so it's like if they don't have kids, our last name dies off. Oh, I am the last Tanner, I mean, of my family. My, my family dies with me. Oh, wow. And, um... Yeah, I intend to keep it that way, too. I'm not having kids. And I, I might be doing the world a favor, so. Anyhow. Well. Anyhow. <laughs> yeah, that, that got real for a second. Ah, good thing my dad doesn't listen to this. Ah, <laughs> oh, strange people, weird world. Keeping yeah, it real and morbid. Keeping it real. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Where were we? They described the gasser as being a tall, thin man dressed in dark clothing and wearing a tight-fitting cap. Another report made some weeks later described the gasser as being female, dressed as a man. The gasser had also been described as carrying a flit gun. What? Now, this is pretty cool. I, uh, I had to look it up. You've, you've, you ever watched, like, Looney Tunes? Yeah. So, whenever they, like gas something like they always have this thing it's like a pump and there's like a little round barrel sitting up vertically or horizontally at the bottom end of it um look up flit f-l-i-t it's a flit spraying pump i was like i'm trying to picture it and i had something in my mind as soon as you see it you'll be like oh that thing and everybody else oh yeah (laughs) that thing the looney tunes the looney tunes thing (laughs) all right yeah, so just an old manual, like, you know, uh, pesticide gassing type spray. Yeah, um, used for flies and mosquitoes between 1928 and the mid-1950s. Hmm. Yep. Um, reported attacks. The first of the 1944 gasser incidents occurred at a house on Grant Avenue in Mattoon, Illinois, on August 31st. Urban Rayef was awakened during the early hours of the morning by a strange odor. 
He felt nauseated and weak and suffered from a fit of vomiting. Suspecting that he was suffering from domestic gas poisoning, his wife tried to check the the kitchen stove to see if there was a problem with the pilot light. But she found that she was partially paralyzed and unable to leave her bed. Oh, my God. Again, temporary effects. That was was the least morbid I could keep it right now. Later that night, a similar incident was also reported by a young mother living close by. She was awakened by the sound of her daughter coughing, but found herself unable to leave the bed. The next day, September 1st, there was a third reported incident. A Mrs. Kearney of Marshall Avenue reported smelling a strong, sweet odor around 11 p.m. At first, she dismissed the smell, believing it to be from flowers outside of the window. But the odor soon became stronger, and she began losing feeling in her legs. This is wild shit. Oh my god, yeah. Like, it's just a paralyzed... I mean... I, even if it's just temporary, I mean, that would scare shit out oh, of anybody. I mean, you're not, especially because you're not going to know it's temporary. You just, all of a sudden, you can't move. Oh, that's like, get sleep paralysis... Awake paralysis. 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 (laughs) Paralysis. Mrs. Mrs. Kearney panicked and her calls attracted her sister, Mrs. Reddy, who was ready, (laughs) 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 who was in the house at the time. Mrs. Reddy also noticed the odor and determined that it was coming from the direction of the bedroom window, which was open at the time. The police were contacted, but no evidence of a prowler was found. At around 12.30 a.m., Bert Kearney, Mrs. Kearney's husband, returned home to find an unidentified man hiding close to one of the house's windows. The man fled and Kearney was unable to catch him. Kearney's description of the prowler, prowler Kearney's description of the prowler was a tall man dressed in dark clothing wearing a tight-fitting cap, which was, you know, as we said, the main description. The description was reported in the local media and became the common description of the gasser throughout Mattoon. After the attack, Miss Kearney reported suffering from a burning sensation on her lips and throat, which were attributed to the effects of the gas. Initially, it was suspected that robbery was the primary motive for the attack. That's what I was thinking when I first started reading these. Like, I was like, well, he's probably like, if he he knows it paralyzes people, that's like perfect to go in and just rob them blind or rob them paralyzed. Yeah, spray the house. Nobody can do anything. Yeah, you know, just keep your face and stuff covered. Um... At the time of the incidents, the Kearneys had a large sum of money in the house, and it was surmised that the Prowler could have seen Mrs. Kearney and her sister counting it earlier that evening. Local newspapers incorrectly reported this incident as being the first gasser attack. That's kind of uninformative. I'm assuming they didn't get robbed then. In the following day, in the days following the Kearney attack, there were half a dozen similar attacks. Though none of the purport, purported victims? Mm-hmm. Is that a word? 
Uh, I've never heard it, but, you know, the English Dictionary is an uh, interesting thing. It's an interesting thing. I'm going to say none of the reported victims were able to provide a clear description of the prowler, and no clues were found at the scene of the attacks. The first specimen of physical evidence was found on the night of September 5th, when Carl and Beulah... Uh, Carl and Beulah Cords of North 21st Street returned home around 10 p.m. After spending a few minutes in the house, they noticed a piece of white cloth, slightly larger than a man's handkerchief, sitting on their porch next to the screen door. Beulah Cords picked up the cloth and smelled it. As soon as she inhaled, she became violently ill. She described the effect as being similar to electric shock. Her face oh. began to swell quickly. She experienced a burning sensation in her mouth and throat and began to vomit. As with other victims, she also reported feeling weak and experiencing partial paralysis of her legs. Beulah Cords later hypothesized that the cloth had been left on the porch in order to knock out the family dog, which usually slept there so the prowler could gain access to the house unnoticed. Yeah. My apologies. <laughs> <laughs> so he left it there for the family dog? That's what they think. Um, say, in addition to the cloth, a skeleton key, described as being well used, was reportedly found on the sidewalk adjacent to the porch, along with a large, almost empty tube of lipstick. Weird. Right? Maybe it was a lady dressed as a man. Or a man dressed as a lady. The cloth was analyzed by authorities, but they found no chemicals on it that could explain Beulah Cord's reaction. So we got like a mad scientist gasser out there. And he stayed primarily in this little town, right? Yeah, it seemed to just be this little town. That's why it's kind of questioned as mass hysteria or was something crazy actually going on. The same night... A second incident was reported, this time in North 13th Street, at the home of Mrs. Leonard Burrell. No women's names in this. They don't, they don't want to do that. They're like, woman? Nah. Nah. <laughs> she reported seeing... Overrated. Overrated. What's her husband's <laughs> name? Well, he wasn't... Yeah, well, the man's name. <laughs> he wasn't there. I give me it anyways. <laughs> Does he pay for the money? Does he does he own the house? No, actually, she does. Ah, I can be the man's ah, house. Ah, <laughs> she's, she's hysterical, I say. <laughs> she's a woman. It must be hormones. She, she must be the hormones. Oh, God. She reported seeing a stranger break in through her bedroom window and then attempt to gas her. What? Right? Public concern over the alleged gassings quickly rose. The FBI became involved, and the local police issued a statement calling on residents to avoid lingering in residential areas, and warning that groups set up to patrol for the gassers should be disbanded for reasons of public safety. I love that. Do you know what that means? That means that the community got together on their own and were out hunting this guy. <laughs> and the police had to... The police had to say, all right, you guys better go home. Um, FBI's here now. We don't want you <laughs> shooting each other. Because the shot of the police force really didn't do fucking anything. No. Chief of Police C.E. Cole also warned concerned citizens to exercise due restraint 
when carrying or discharging firearms. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Taking it to the streets is what we call that. Oh my god. Oh. I um I fully support it. Fucking find that find this 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 perverse madman walking the streets. I mean the fact that he's like getting inside people's houses, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, who knows what his real plans are? Like, this could be, like, a a testing period. Like, the first ones could have been tests, you know? Like, he's doing it from outside the window to see if maybe they really can't move and all that kind of stuff. What if this last girl, he's finally coming in because he thinks he can paralyze a woman? And, I mean, I hate to say it, you know, do horrible things. And that could be a possibility because, what, it was just her in the house, right? Yeah, I mean, this is um, the 1940s. You have, we're in World War II. Oh, so he was probably, her husband was probably outdrafted. A lot of husbands are away right now, yeah. Still, uh, let's get their names, not the woman. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Take to the streets, you know. Um, I figured you're right. Hide your daughters, hide your wife. (laughs) They're taking everybody. Leave your handkerchiefs on your front doorstep. <laughs> Hide your handkerchiefs. <laughs> Hide your front door. Hide your front door. <laughs> Hide your dog. Imagine walking into a town and just seeing a bunch of blankets over everybody's front door. Right? Oh. Oh, man. Well, during this period, there was an increase of physical evidence of attacks being reported, ranging from footprints allegedly being discovered underneath windows to tears being found in window screens. By September 12th, local police had received so many false alarms, mostly from citizens believing that they smelled gas or had seen a prowler, that they reduced the priority afforded to the gas reports and announced that the entire incident was likely a result of explainable occurrences exasperated by public fears. And a sign of anxiety felt by women... Because they're hysterical while local oh men were on God. war service. Wow. However, after the police announcement, Gasser reports did decline. The only incident of arguable note after that date was the case of Bertha Birch, who claimed she saw a Gasser who was a woman dressed as a man. Um, huh. Yeah. You've got kind of a full list of the reports here. You can check that out in your own leisure if you would like. Like I said, just look up the Mad Gasser Mattoon on Wikipedia. Um, explanations, mass hysteria, toxic waste or po- pollution, or an actual assailant. Um... I think it's a mixture of mass hysteria and an actual assailant. I do, too. While toxic waste or pollution in this time period could absolutely be a thing, you know, as we saw, you know, safety regulations are always a little loosey-goosey back then with the, the radium girls and even the um, the freaking uh, molasses. Yeah. But I agree with you. I think it started as an actual assailant, and I think this motherfucker was up to something. But, I mean, of course, you know, it, it's absolutely understandable to, if you're hearing these reports, to think you're smelling gas or, or be overreactive about seeing people around your house. And 
you know, especially maybe if you are a wife without her husband, not that you're hysterical, but you might be, uh, you know, anybody's scared of being home alone. Creepy things are going on. Yeah, and I think, so one thing that kept popping in my mind as we discussed the story, story, uh, the story was, I don't know if anybody remembers when we covered the Mothman, but when the Mothman became a thing, uh, you know, there was a few of the, like, very reputable cases being told to the police, but then when the media started covering it, they got just an onslaught of people saying that they saw things. Yeah, and that happened. That happens in serial killer cases, you know, pretty much everything, you know. Once the public gets involved, shit gets wild. Yeah, and so I think, I yeah, I'm going to stand on this one where I think it was somebody who was kind of just being a little dickhead and wreaking havoc in a small town, and especially back then, who knows, maybe, maybe it was a woman and she was pissed because she, maybe, like, she couldn't get drafted or her husband got drafted or she just, like, lost her mind, went bonkers. Yeah. Or- maybe it was excluded by the... Other people, because a lot of the time, small towns are very kind of, like, clicky. Yeah, yep. Maybe she had a thing going out for these people. Could be, and she's dropping her lipstick and her skeleton key. And... Yeah, and she was, like, putting these little Easter eggs, but she was like, ha, 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 they're never going to catch me. Never. Never, ever, ever. <laughs> yeah, that's the, the mad gasser of Mattoon. Well, interessante. Yeah, yeah. So, my dear Anya. Well, uh, we're going to kind of around the same time frame. Ours, ours is set in so modern time, but it does go back into the mid-1900s. Um, we are traveling to San Francisco. Hey, Bay Area. And we are discussing the Blotter House Museum. Blotter House Museum. Yes, yes, yes. So, uh, of course, I got to give credit where credit is due. This article was written by Colton Cruz, and I'm going to just read off of it. But, of course, I'm going to throw my own two cents in, but I got to give the writer some credit. So, thank you, Mr. Cruz. Thanks, uh, Mr. In Cruz. Mark McLeod's San Francisco home is filled with tens and thousands of LSD tabs known as blotters. Uh, For those of you who don't know, blotters are sheets of paper that have either been soaked in acid or have these psychedelic drug dripped onto them. And they have fun designs on them sometimes. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, So, acid may have been invented in the 1930s, but it was the 1960s counterculture movement that ingrained the drug into human culture. While the CIA and Army tried to use LSD to control minds and neutralize enemy combats, uh, the drugs saw use by medical and psychiatric professionals in the treatment of addiction and PTSD. And also, for anybody who's ever heard of the word acid or LSD, you think of 1970s hippie, um, you just think of huge kind of festivals where people are just tripping their balls off and looking up into the sky and seeing, like, unicorns and shit. Yeah. Which, I mean, you're probably, I just want to clarify, like, when people take drugs and they're like, I saw mushrooms running around and flying away on these hippos that had wings. I'm like, no, you probably saw a mushroom, like, in the clouds that shaped, that looked like it was on top of a hippo. (laughs) Yeah, really, you just see things, like, melt. Yeah, like, you don't actually see things that aren't there. Yeah, I mean... Maybe. Maybe in the 60s. I heard there was some good shit. True. And, you know, maybe if you're mixing it with something even more potent, like freaking peyote or DMT, 
I could see that. Because there used to be rumors of like a Mickey Mouse acid that would make you see cartoon characters, but I don't know if that's true. So, this is, that's going to kind of cover it in the story a little Ooh. bit. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, really quickly, too, just to kind of give you an account on how many blotter sheets or how many tabs of acid uh, McLeod has in this house, it is over 33,000. Yeah. So, like, when I say house is filled, like, fa- house is literally filled with over 33,000 tabs of acid. <laughs> Now, unfortunately, the acid does go bad eventually. Yes, and so this is, as we're going to mention in there, that's how McLeod has gotten away legally through this. Um, So on October 6, 1966, also known as the Day of the Beast in the psychedelic community, California banned the possession of LSD, and then the federal government decided two years later to follow suit. And since then, almost the entire Western world has banned acid. Boo, freaking boo. So sad. Uh, but, woo, Colorado legalized mushrooms, different drug, but same psychedelic. Yay. <laughs> um, now, despite multiple raids by the DEA, McLeod has managed to stay out of jail for one reason. And as Greg had just said, the acid on the tabs is expired and bunk. Uh, so LSD breaks down pretty quickly in the presence of light and heat. And McLeod's tabs are too old to give to anybody ingesting, uh, ingesting them so they wouldn't cause anybody to go on a trip. Instead, he keeps the tabs for their artwork. So the blotter art helps identify the small crystals in the paper and is often perforated to measure out dosages. Um, and Mark says it also adds excitement to the experience and compares the impression on the blotter tabs to like religious symbols that you see within like churches. So... Had a cough, had a trump, I'm like, that was a nasty cough. McLeod <laughs> um, began collecting early on, but he discovered very quickly that by keeping these really cool sheets of artwork in his freezer, he couldn't refrain from eating them. I mean, let's be real here. It's like, you know, when people, when you're selling and people are like, oh, like, you can't, you can't be a weed smoker and sell weed. Yeah, unless you want to break even. And that's kind of, so he had started collecting all of these acid sheets because they had all these crazy designs and cartoons on them, and he was keeping them in his freezer and fridge. Then before he realized it, he was like, oh shit, I'm literally eating my artwork. Um, So he eventually found out that by framing the sheets, it refrained him from eating them while he was still able to enjoy the nostalgia on the sheets. That's crazy. So, So, right? Yeah, yeah, to kind of give people a, a bigger picture, these sheets are like a puzzle, almost um but they're just perforated squares but it's it's one big picture and then you're breaking off little mini pieces of it that take away from the picture like last time a guy i know let's say his name is greg bought some acid um it was like the bottom right corner of this picture um it looked what i could tell had some sort of like um indian design like from india um like, I might have got part of an elephant or something on there. But it, it was cool, you know. But just to kind of give you guys a better idea of what's being talked about here. Yeah, and so, like, these sheets, it was especially like the Mona Lisa. But that picture of the Mona Lisa is actually, like, 300 tiny little squares filled with drugs. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, now, McLeod, he continued to collect from the 1960s, and he quickly became an expert on the short history of acid, because at the time, it just kind of boomed into the Western world. Um, and he explained that the art is a twofold item. So you have the graphic, so whatever the art is wanted to represent, but also the art it represented on it um, was typically what people, when they ingested that acid on that sheet, it's what kind of they felt from that sheet, if that makes sense. That's interesting. So it almost is like a inception by sheet, by visual. like. Yeah. And so like you would have, you know, um, you'd have like a Mickey Mouse one or uh, like a like a Buddhist god. And when you would ingest one of those, like the trips would be completely different from one another. Huh. And so the Mickey Mouse one would be like very uplifting and comical and you just like have the giggles and it would just be this like fun euphoric thing. And if you were to take one from like the Hindu God sheet, it would be a lot more like introspective and you wouldn't be as kind of like giggly and it would just put you into like this deeper state of mind, which I found very fascinating. That's pretty interesting. Uh, It goes against my theories of acid taking, but. Yeah. And I, I mean, I kind of had a perception towards acid and then I started kind of looking into this guy and when I started reading how the artwork was depicted I was like I'm kind of interested to now see like if that's a thing so it's going to be something I look a little bit more into but I totally believe you could make yourself believe that um because the way I I view acid as a trip you control almost like you, you learn to control um like I learned my triggers um I learned how to tell like exactly when I start tripping I see you know when you look at a computer sometimes and there's a loading and it's like a little circle that's like a rainbow kind of? Mm-hmm. I start to see those everywhere. And, and I, I know ah. that like, all right, buckle up. <laughs> Think that's... Things are happening. <laughs> it's like, oh, shit, the ride's starting. Yeah. <laughs> the I, trip's begun. I, always, I think you can definitely steer, help steer. Um, there's definitely your, the world and environment you're in is always going to affect what's going on with you too. Yeah, and I think also the mindset that you go into it. So it's like, um, it's very interesting too because, you, like you said, back in the sixties and seventies, it was a way different drug than what we have now. Yeah, it was very intense, and so I think I find it very interesting that someone who came from that era was able to kind of like, uh, like how do I t- like take a piece of time and make it timeless. Like he was able to take his experience from those trips and kind of bring it into your modern perception on acid. I applaud the willpower of, of keeping all that acid. Yeah. Um, well, and so today his house is a museum and it's completely open for, or it's completely open and it's free for people to come in and see. So if you're ever in the United States, you're ever in California and you find yourself in the Bay area, I highly go, highly recommend go check it out. Though he does get the occasional DEA agents coming in, posing as visitors, trying to bust him. Uh, A lot of people find the art very fascinating. And it's actually pretty crazy because he has been taken into court numerous times over these sheets. And every single time it comes out as the same ruling as like, he's fine. He's legally allowed to have him because they're all bunk at this point. Yeah. That's that's wild. I wonder if he like has the sense for it. Like dude walks in, he's like, Sub narc. Yeah. <laughs> just, this one guy comes in like, oh, yeah, that's yeah. a cool thing. Like, yeah. can, can you sell me some? <laughs> uh, 
in spite of constant badgering, though, from federal law enforcement, McLeod says his local community has been fantastic and completely open to his museum. His neighbors don't seem to mind having a blotter-filled house right next door, and he even does trade visitors with the museum across the street. And Mr. McLeod's motto is to kill everybody with kindness and insists uh, on being polite. And he said that that's his secret to his success. Um, and he also believes that acid one day will be recognized for its benefits once again. And he kind of sees himself as like this historian through the dark period. <laughs> nice. But yeah, and also one thing to note, uh, so a lot of these cartoons or images that were depicted on these sheets, it would be, like we said, of like Mickey Mouse, but you wouldn't have, what's the word? Uh, you wouldn't have permission to use that. Like you, Disney didn't give a permission for it. No, of course not. So a lot of it, you know, it's like you couldn't sell any of the art because it's copyright. So a lot of it was turned into drugs. Yeah. And it's a story of the Blotterhouse. Which, you know, you you see with, I guess I'm even outdated on this, and you, you would see with ecstasy pills, um, they stamp different designs into them, like, you know, name brand designs and things like that. Makes your drug see, taking fun. Yeah, and I, I mean, I've never, I've never done any of those ones, but... Oh, best, I, uh, best, ecstasy huh? I, best ecstasy I ever did were glittery purple squirrels. Oh, wow. They were fun. It's, it's so fascinating to, like, because I, I remember being in, like, middle school and high school and hearing people talk about, like, different um, patterns and designs. And this was before I'd even dabbled into psychedelics. And I was just, like, had no idea what they were talking about. And then once you start kind of, like, dipping your toes in and being more exposed to these things, I don't know. I was always curious on kind of what led to the different type of art or different type of designs being portrayed. People are like, oh, it's different trips and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, whatever, it's drugs. But goes to show that literally it's all different trips. Um, from the seller standpoint, because that's what I was, um, the more fun the design, the more people are excited to buy it. That's just really it. Mm. That's all I ever found. And, and I mean, it does help you kind of identify product, too. Like, you know, the, the purple squirrels. Like, I know if I saw the purple squirrels again, I'm, I'm probably in for a good time, you know, but... That's, that's That's about it. Yeah, kind of same with the acid, just to kind of identify the product, I guess. Um, hmm. Yeah, and I guess, I don't know, actually, I don't know, legal shampoo, I don't know if I can talk about that on air. So oh, I've, I've let it all out. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, you know. But that, yeah. Can't, yeah, anyhow. Um, I'm, I'm on a bit of a time restraint today, so I think, uh, are you ready to wrap it up? I'm ready to wrap it up. Ready to wrap it up. Uh, make sure you follow us at SP Weird World on Instagram or Facebook so you can get your nice uh, warnings from our listeners like Erica. Uh, you can follow me at Greg's Weird World. It's my own Instagram. I own it again. It's mine. It's all mine. Uh, <laughs> and you can follow Anya at Anya Daniela. And... Uh, I think it's revisited.pod on Instagram. I'm not quite sure, but I know if you follow Bionic Limbs, like I said, you already should be. He's got the uh, he's got the links. He's got the goods for you. Uh, he's got a new, set up. he's got a new song coming out too. I got to pre-listen to it. Uh, it's, it's a good one. Oh, you should be excited. You should be excited. It's got some of his guitar work in it. Like I said, he used to be my guitar player in my band. So, anyhow. Uh, that is it. 
Um, one more thing, guys. One more thing. I'm going to need you to go ahead and keep <laughs> it Where? I never knew anything What's like this the whole of my life. Yes, attacks and acid. Yes, attack. Guess nice. attack happens in my house every night. Ha! Uh- <laughs> <laughs>